My name is Beautiful, Beautiful Nubia, and you're listening to Chat with the Masters. Forged in the furnace of experience, impacting lives and penning their name in history. Join Flo Boss as he chats with the Masters. Chat with the Masters podcast. We're in the presence of the prolific singer, songwriter, record producer, a performer, a sage, an activist, and generally an amazing human. I have with me Shegun Akinlolu, popularly known as Beautiful Nubia, or Baba Beauty. <laughs> Good to have you, sir. Thank you very much. Nice. All right. So, um, can you please walk us through your experience as a young child, your influences in life, in music, um, your values, the things that you believe have shaped you into um, the man you are today? Yeah, I was born in Ibadan in 1968. Uh, my mother uh, uh, had Egba and Ibadan ancestry. My father was just Ife, 100% Ife, familiar Ife. Mm. Uh, so these two great imam, amazing imam beings, of course, had their own turbulence at some point. Mm. But these two guys were the ones who brought me into the world in Ibadan here. I grew up in Ibadan. I went to school. I did all my schooling. Primary school was at Okebola, St. James's Primary School at Okebola. Okay. Then I did uh, high school around a place called Rita Challenge in Ibadan here. as a uni, a uni high school. And then I went to I went to Iwo, Baptist High School Iwo for my HSC mm. levels. And then I went to University of Ibadan to study veterinary medicine. Graduated in 1992 as a veterinary doctor. And then I went to serve, I did my national service in Enugu State. It was a lovely, you know, one year experience, just practicing and learning the skills of being a field vet. And then after that, I moved to Lagos and joined a company called Animal Care Services Consult, which is the foremost private veterinary business in Nigeria up till now. They have one of the largest poultry farms and we were involved in the marketing of um, vaccines okay. for animals and feed and drugs for animals and things like that. And I worked there for seven years. I rose from uh, the level of a technical salesperson to becoming the head of a division, a divisional manager. Amazing. So that was that was, that was really great. But you know, all this time, yes. music was always my number one thing. Yeah, I was uh, going to ask, So, <laughs> how do you reconcile that? So uh, I became aware of my music talent at the age of nine. Wow. So, you know, I mean, my brothers and my siblings generally, uh, and our, all our friends in the neighborhood, my father had built a house at a place called Ring Road, which is a big area and a popular area in Ibadan now. Yes. But when I was a child, Ring Road was a bush, was jungle. <laughs> I can yeah, imagine. It was jungle. And um, we used to enjoy just going out in the jungle and singing songs like mm. we were going hunting wow. you know we had these brave hunters who are going to go fight a war you know and they were like nine five seven and this gaggle of kids would just go up and down the street in the bush killing lizards wow. i'm sorry lizards <laughs> <laughs> we used to go throw stones at birds and you know pick herbs and stuff like that we used to do and for these adventures we always wanted to sing mm. and we we're always looking for songs to sing so we would sometimes sing the songs we had heard on radio or the ones we had heard on TV. Yoruba songs, yep. right? It's just what we did. And so at some point, I decided I was going to just create a song myself for us to use rather than borrow from what we had be, been hearing. Amazing. And so I made up a song. It was just so easy. Wow. And then I started making them up and I thought, oh, it looks like I have a gift for this stuff. Wow. Yeah. And then by the age of 13, when I was 13, I picked a book, I opened it up, I wrote song number one. I started writing my songs down. 
I started thinking of myself as a songwriter from that amazing moment. yeah and you know and the gift I have is that I can write songs and they just come to me you know I can just write and you know and I don't forget them and I've written way 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 over 1000 songs wow you know I don't I've stopped kind of counting but in the books that I have I've written over 1000 there are songs that I've not even written down that I just living in my head you know that I write one day I might just write them down but and so in year 2000 after working you know after doing all this work going to school and then working as a vet doctor for all these years I decided that I was going to go fully into music that you know this was it all the things I had been learning as either as a kid at home as a veterinary doctor I thought it was time for me to start playing this music. And what informed this music? Of course, uh, because I know it's peculiar music. Yes, I know that it it's is uh, different. Yes, comes with the message. Yes, highly original and totally yes. like you know. But what informs it is where one came from, the people who brought me up, the mm. environment in which I grew up. You know, I was raised by people who are very conscious of their environment, who are very conscious of the need for people to have harmony in society, yep. who are very conscious of social justice you know and um people who, who who trained us to be upstanding to be honest to mm. be courageous and brave uh, and to persevere and and to to learn to be contented with whatever we had so i learned all these values as a child yeah. and you know when i started writing songs i told myself i must have been given this gift for a purpose it can't just be for frivolous reasons mm. i must use this gift to heal my people, to build my people, to teach my people, to guide them, to enlighten them, to embolden them, to strengthen them, to guide them, to show them the path to personal growth and development, the path to communal growth and development. And so, uh, you know, this is what has informed the philosophy, philosophy behind my music right from that point. It's been like that. Everything I write, even when I write a love song, that my sound kind of flippant on the surface yes you go deeper you realize i'm talking about serious things you yeah know? so i and i i feel there's a place for my kind of music you know we can do music for all kinds of reasons we can do music for entertainment which is what people would use music music mostly for you know for entertainment but i go beyond that my music must teach it must guide it must make people feel better about themselves it must give them strength and courage and so uh, Growing up, apart from the wisdom of the elders that I was exposed to mm. through my parents, through the elders in the community, through my teachers at school, our teachers were great in those days. Yes. Uh -huh. The cultural education I received from home, from school, from the community, from my grandmother, mm. you know, apart from all that, the music I listened to was amazing, you know, because I was Back able in to, the day. I was exposed to a balance of both local and foreign music. Mm. Amazing. And my father had a music store, which was amazing. Nice. And my father had a music <laughs> store at Okibola in those days. And we sold records. And all the records were different, so many genres, you know. There was, of course, our traditional music, waka, sakara, pala. Uh, uh, and then, of course... So you had was, enough to explore. There was Afro, <laughs> jazz, Afro this, Afro rock, Afro soul. Different fusions. High life, mm. uh, rock music, country music. Whatever you could call it, we yeah. we sold all these albums and we listen. Amazing. I listen to them, and so you know, you're growing up in this milieu, this kind of setting where I was exposed to egugun on the the masquerades yeah. on the street. I was exposed to traditional music of the you know the local. I mean, I always like to tell people that my earliest influence must have been those men that wear their agbada and go on on weekends 
and play Be drums, drums and, yeah. uh, and they're good parties. And you see them, you see them. When I was a kid, we used to see them all the time, starting from like maybe Thursday. You start to see them kind of going their drums, and they are going out, right? For their hustle. And, then, and yeah, and they will be playing sometimes through the neighborhood. They will be playing because they were going somewhere, but they'll be playing. And sometimes if you stop them with like a little amount of money, yes. they'll actually play for you and sing and you know do your riki or yeah your, if you tell uh, them they will sing they would, it to you would, and, would, and i remember just seeing this in my mind i was a kid like eight nine my eyes would just go wide like this is amazing this is powerful mm. i would love to do this and so this is where and then you know i listen to all this great music and the books i've read because you cannot write from a void everything we're doing is informed by what we have listened to what we have Definitely. heard and so when you've heard great music and you've read great books you must write great lyrics. Yeah, uh-huh. it's, it, it makes sense. Uh-huh, you know, and so yeah. this is this is my journey so far. And of course, it's one thing to have a talent; it's another thing to take it to to fruition, to take mm. it to a point where you can produce to it. execute the it. The world is so filled with people who have talent, whether music talent or literary talent or visual arts, yeah. or we, even people who work with their hands who can be mechanics or yes. painters, or yeah. and but they don't use that talent. Mm. Some of them end up as doctors, or they end up as whatever. But they, they, oh, you know, I, you know, I can draw. You know, I can draw. <laughs> like, wow, doctor can draw, but doctor is a doctor. Yeah. And doctor never used that gift. Mm. You know. So this is the thing. I, I have always feel like I've been lucky and blessed that I've been, I've been able to use my talent to its fullest. And that you can see it when you see the young people who come to our shows. Now you can see that yeah. our music is making a difference in people's lives because it's beyond this show. It's the fact that you've got a 20, 20 something year old person who believes in this music who can teach his own child yeah these things and we can carry this change and maybe in 20 years we can see a new country a new society based mm. on built on the principles the foundations the of the right values yes you know so so it was not just enough to say i've written a thousand songs so i'm great no i had to take it to the next level which was to produce it and that was gonna that was a big challenge mm. because by the time i decided to start recording music uh, the big companies at that time were Sony and Polygram and, and they had kind of started packing up to leave Nigeria. The economic situation wasn't very friendly to them. Okay. So, but I still went, I met whatever was left of Sony, like a rump of Sony. I met, I went there with my demo in 1993, I think. And I remember being told that my music was still too topical. Mm. My music was too uh, heavy laden with words that Nigerians don't like too many words. Nigerians just want to dance. So this music is not commercial. I'm sorry, we cannot take you on. Wow. The music is not commercial. It's not. In fact, what the gentleman told me, and he was right, mm. and it's still what it's still the, very much is very right yeah. up to now. So I was going to say that the notion of Nigerians <laughs> just liking the commercial dance they music, dance. it's been there for he all these years. People just want to have fun. Mm. They don't have time for your all these your words that you're just writing. He said it's either gospel mm. or Fuji. Or juju, or if you do anything else <laughs> like that, yeah, or here you might sell. He said anything after that. All this your English, I was thinking. All this your big words. Nobody wants to listen wow. to it. something about justice, about truth, about. And so, and then the man, I, I then I saw. So I left Sony and I went to Premier, okay. and I met the man there. It was Chris Ajilo, the old great musician. Yeah, and he was the uh, uh, the manager there. Okay, and remember, he just said to me, "You are a good songwriter. Mm. I've had." I've, I've met many musicians. They've come through this door. You, this is 1993 or 1994. Wow. He said, you are a fantastic songwriter. Mm. You know, but we, you, we need to work on you to make you better with your recording. So come back and see me. But when I went back, he had left the company. 
Oh, sad. So then I was on my own. There were really no recording companies out there anymore. So I decided to set up my own business, mm. which I called Enio Banke. Yeah, and I, you know, Enio Banke is a name that I created myself. It's not an old Yoruba name, and this is important for people to know because Nigerians just adopt things and they don't give credit. I'm not saying I want to be given credit, but people need to know that Enio Banke is not an old Yoruba name. I created it. So it's an original yes. idea. I made it up it's for unique. myself. Yeah, because I, I, at the time I was thinking of myself as this special being mm. you know i mean you know don't get it many musicians think like that artists think like that yeah. you know because you have this gift your friends don't have it i can write these songs and these are i can write a song and then my friends can and i sing it my friends like it like but i wrote it and they like it mm. and now they're all singing it yeah and you think oh i must be blessed i must be special to whoever has given us this thing I'm, i must be so i must be somebody that is loved and, and that is the, by the king yeah and your banker so i started to give myself that name amazing and then i use it for my music company when i set up the company and then i 1997 after a lot of struggle a lot of uh, serious effort mm. we made the first album and then 1999 we did a follow-up okay and then 2002 we did the one that actually gave us the big breakthrough, Jambala Jubu. Yeah. And then the journey has just continued since then. Since then, we've produced so many songs. Right now, we have over 400 songs, over 400 tracks available for, you know, uh, for sale. Amazing. Well, and these 400 plus songs are on like 34 different albums. Wow. Yeah. So we've been very prolific. We've been busy. Yeah. I mean, the body songs are there. So I can testify to that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's truly amazing. So one can safely say that you were deeply rooted in the culture growing up. Yes. You studied veterinary medicine. Was that a dream of somebody else? Maybe your parents? Or you, you decided to just follow that dream as well? Well, I was very good in school. You know, with, you know, in school and at school. I was pretty good at it. You know, the idea that people would say, oh, musicians, you know, they're not... They never do wells. There are these guys. Maybe they weren't very good at school, so you end up. You know, in those days, if family couldn't really get English language very well, English grammar in school. Yes. Then they say, "Oh, go and make him a welder. Go and make him, you know, mechanic. Uh, I mean, or all these things. You know, go and let that learn some trade, mm -hmm. and then drop out, then become become musicians. And so this was always the this was the environment in which I grew up. But I had this talent, and I wanted to play music. I knew I wanted to play music. Even at the age of 10, 11, I was in high school. I wanted to play music. When I first got to my high school, I still remember entering the school hall and seeing this grand piano. And, and that I fascinated like, you. I was like, oh my God, I'm, this is it. <laughs> I love this school already. I love this school. I'm going to learn music here. And they had music on the curriculum. And then once we started our first term in high school, the piano disappeared. Oh, and wow. music disappeared from the curriculum as well because oh, wow. there was no music teacher they couldn't get one so that was the end of it so they and killed so, the old so i never subject. so but i was you know right from primary school i was always coming first mm. i was always first you know Amazing. i was a star student i was probably the star of my primary school it's not a probably i was the best student in my primary school in my set the teachers used to tell me all our hopes are on you you wow. are the one who's gonna, you know. But there, there were other people who there must have been so much pressure. On yeah, you. yeah. There was, there was a lot. Because they, you know, in those days, you know, you it went on to primary six, mm. and the best ones you are left in primary five because yes, they were taking the exam. To secondary uh -huh. school. And so the teachers were surprised when I came in for my sixth year. They were really sad. Like, how can you Why come you back here? here? You're supposed to be. <laughs> you did the exam, but I never even went to check the common entrance exam. I did because my parents, my parents, they wanted you to experience. No, they separated them. Oh. Sad. So, Sorry. so with my parents breaking up, there was a lot of turbulence in my life. 
yeah so i was this star student in primary school and then of course when i got to secondary school all through i was always first you know even not just in my own classroom in the old set across the old set mm. i mean there were times when they would call me up in the assembly i was you know and they, I, when i was like in year two or year three and my principal would be like we have never seen a, a, a student like this here mm. he's so super brilliant and you know it was great I mean, I, I, when I was in year two or year, I used to go to year five, the final year students, and teach them English. Okay. Like I used to go, <laughs> I used to know how. <laughs> wow. And so I was quite brilliant as a student. And I, so I hope that did not get you bullies, though. <laughs> no, no, no. The people were quite nice to me. You oh, know, nice. Little, because I, I, am, I was always humble, too. Because I didn't really see it as special, anything special. I just thought, okay, I just understand this. Why can't you understand it? Mm. I understand it. And then I'll try to explain to people. I, the same way you see me with music. That's how I used to be then too. I used to try to teach. Okay, I can, but you, you can learn it. Mm. It's simple. Can't you see it? As I used to be like that. So people never found me uh, like um, intimidating. too proud or intimidating. No, no, no. Yeah. They, people just, everybody, I mean, even when we left secondary school, people used to write. They wrote in those books that we had at the end, they saying, most friendly. Wow. Most intelligent, but most friendly. Because I, I was everybody's friend. Mm. Yeah, because I, I, I was always happy to, to share with people. To so anyway, uh, so you know, being like that, yes. when you're academically superb. I wasn't superb in, every, in everything. Or don't get it wrong. I, I wasn't. I wasn't great at the other things. Yeah. But when it came to school, I was really good. So, of course, my mother, from the day I was, I could understand words, had been telling me. I was going to become a doctor. <laughs> you are going to become a doctor. The Nigerian so, mom. Yes. Syndrome. <laughs> so all this was doctor. You're going to be a doctor. Mm. So, and when I was in high school, there was no way about it. Everybody wanted to be a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer. Yeah. These are the three choices. You had nothing else to choose, <laughs> you know. So I, um, so of course, I thought, well, I'll become a doctor. Make my mother proud. Doctors were highly respected. So I thought, oh, I'll become a doctor. You know, but I wanted to play music. And then when I was in school, all my teachers expected nothing less. You could be a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer. Mm. So when it came f time for us to pick our subjects for the final high school exams, the YEC, as they used to call it, I remember the teachers were like, what are you doing? Why are you picking music and theater arts? You can't even take them because you didn't study them here. So, mm. so eventually I decided to but at that point, you had known that that was what you would like to I do. I wanted to play music. Yeah. I just thought, you know, okay, maybe I'll become a doctor, but I wanted to play music. Mm. So eventually, I, I ended up in veterinary medicine because I had an, an uncle who's also late now. Well, it's like an uncle, distant uncle. But it was um, my mother's church mate, so okay. to say. And so they met in church, and then she told him that this boy is trying to do this, you know. So he now said, well, let him apply for my veterinary medicine. Mm. You know, so I did it. And um, so I got into veterinary medicine and I, I spent six years there. Those six years, I learned so much. By the third year, I was in love with the course. Wow. Oh yeah, veterinary <laughs> medicine is such a beautiful course. It's oh, a wonderful, nice. wonderful course. Nice. It's a wonderful, your eyes just open. You see the world in 3D. Mm. Yeah, because it brings together all the elements of the arts and the sciences. And you know you know about human health, about the only has to not learn about the the dogs and the cats and the cows and the, so you see the and they're all different the way they are designed yes they des on the you got it anatomy it yes level. and they're all different mm. and so you're learning all this stuff and there's just this thing about if you like math then you start thinking 
you're solving things. You can see how things work. Like, yeah. if there's a problem, how do you solve it? Mm. Right? Then you think, could it be bacterial? Could it be viral? Could it be, you know, parasitic? You know, then you're thinking, what are the possibilities? And then if I do this, what is likely to happen? And, you know, it's just, I enjoy, especially my last three years in that school, when we're now studying microbiology, pharmacology, pathology, pastology, all those things. I'm like, oh, I love this. This is so beautiful. I enjoyed it. Nice. So, uh, but even though I liked it, mm. I knew I was going to play music. Music was my thing. So I just thought, I mean, I'll become a veterinary doctor. Eh? And then I'll use veterinary medicine to raise money for myself <laughs> to play music. And that is exactly what I did. I practiced veterinary medicine for seven years. I enjoyed it. Mm. Um, but those seven years, I, I saved a lot of money too. That money helped me to transition into my music career. Because, you know, there's a way nature can plan your life. You don't even know. You know, because by the time I came into music, there were no recording companies really to help me out there. Mm. So I had to do it myself. Independently. And, so, and then I had to set up this company. But because I had worked in a company where I learned personnel management, I learned how to really set up a business. Mm. I learned how to manage funds. See, all the training, all the things I learned as a student of veterinary medicine and as a practitioner of that veterinary medicine. Because I worked in a, in a real company, in a big company. And I had grown from being a salesperson into like a marketing manager, into a divisional manager, mm. managing big budgets. Oh. Yeah, big budgets. I'm managing people. I mean, when I was divisional manager, my staff strength was over maybe, you know, 50 or 100 or something. People I had, you know, I had all the vet doctors were working under me. And then I had, well, most of them. But it was a large staff and I was involved in hiring and firing. So you've learned management, mm. you've learned marketing, you've learned f f fund management, personnel management, and then you want to start your own company. It's easier. Yeah than if because you hadn't done all this. I think it's a thing about the way you see things. Mm -hmm. You see the the big picture. Yes. You see how things work. You work, see how parts yes, yes. work together. And I think it just helps you when you're going to start because you... So uh, everything's worked together for good for me. That's why I said sometimes nature is doing these things for you. You don't realize it. You've been stirred in one direction. You don't realize it, right? And so by the time I started a new banker as a business, it's just like easy. It's the second stage. For example, if you want to set up a show, I told an artist one year, one big artist in Nigeria, uh, she was talking to me about setting up an event. I said, well, you can do the event yourself. She said, what do I do? I said, what's the first thing you need? She didn't know. Mm. I said, well, the first thing you need, you need a venue. Okay, how do I do that? Hey, you go and find it. <laughs> then after the venue, what do you need? I said, I said, I said, I had to now lecture her and tell her. Then you plan your promo. Then you plan your publicity. You plan your this, you plan that. I said, how do I do that? Okay, you don't know how to, she, she just said, I cannot do it. So I said, yeah, you have to get people to do it for you. Yeah. She said, but you do it. I said, yeah, because I've, I've, I've done it for many, many years. And you enjoy I, doing I, it. I, yes, I studied it. Mm. Uh, you know, I even went to NIG and learned, you know, yeah. I did my diploma in journalism and public relations. You know, so and these are things that I've studied and, I, and, I, and I, I, I've practiced them even in, in companies using other people's money. Now I can do it with my own money. So oh, set up the company, get all these things. So I always like to tell people that nothing nothing that we learn or nothing we've gone through is a waste mm. and you know everything can become valuable experience to us and so this is the story this is the path i took to get into music is uh, this was a meandering path mm. but you know it's led to where we are now so was it at that point where you wanted to start in your banker that you went for the um, um postgraduate no, no, diploma no, 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 no. i was just bored Okay. I know I was a so writer. So why journalism? In school, in school, well, because in school I was a popular writer. Okay. At the university, I was well known. 
as a student journalist. Mm. And I used to, I edited many, well, several magazines and both uh, kind of like social and scientific. Okay. I actually edited the scientific journal of the VET um, Association in UI for two years. And then I was the editor of uh, several mags, my whole magazine even, the Melandi Old Magazine, I edited that as well. So everybody, my popular name in UI at the time was O-Easy, which is kind of like... Um, O-Easy. Yeah, it's from my, from Ulushegun, that's my okay. first name. And then my mother tried to, she tried to stick some Christian name on me <laughs> as a child, O-Ezekiah. She tried to stick it on me. It didn't stick because it's not any of it's not part of my names. It's not any. You can't see it on any document. Mm. She tried, but I rejected it. I turned my back. <laughs> I don't want Ezekiah. But you know when I was going to become a student journalist, yes, I needed like a pen name because I didn't want people to know it was me oh, writing. Okay. So I decided to use that inside just with O and H E Z Z Y became O is and people you know so I would walk in you and everybody say oh easy oh easy I was popular amazing oh easy. And I used to perform in school as well. I used to perform on stage mm. uh, in in UI wow. at the time. So I was also known as OEZ, the performer, you know? So oh, became, nice. So you were not but, even beautiful in No, no, not at that time. No, I was called OEZ. I was also called editor. Okay. Yeah. Actually, in the last two years, I became editor because I was editing this and that. So, you know, when I left school, I think a lot of people thought I would probably end up writing yeah. with The Guardian or The Punch or something. Mm. And I did apply to those to work in those places. Okay. I did try to get into those places when I yeah. first finished because journalism just comes so easily to me. Mm. Uh-huh. I think anything that will allow you express, express yourself yes, would definitely yes, apply be intriguing So I, um, and I, I thought if I couldn't play music, and people have asked me that question, if I couldn't play music, if for any reason I couldn't play music, mm. Mm, journalism would have been would have my been thing. For yeah. so, I, uh, so that's why I just went there because I could. At the time, I had been made a manager in, that, in the company I was working for. I was bored, you know, because before then I was a field salesman. I was always out there. I could work 18 hour days. Yeah. I was young. Mm. I didn't have any other thing that was, I was, and then they put, they, they promoted me and stopped me in the office and I was working eight to five. Mm. And after five, I had nothing to do. And I was just bored. <laughs> so I went to this NIG and said, I want to do. <laughs> so, Amazing. so I went there and did uh, a, a one year diploma mm. in, um, it was called journalism and public relations, I think. Okay. So I just did it. Mm, it was just for nice. fun. And I enjoyed it. And I learned, I mean, when we did the video for Babaili Dumare in 2000, which was an eye-catching video at that for that period, yeah. I used uh, the things I had learned. What do you call it? Is it storyboarding you call it? Yes, um, the storyboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, and so I drew, I drew everything. I drew each scene. Wow. I had learned it at NIG. So, so you I did that all I, by yourself. I drew each scene and I gave it to the director. He's looking at me and said, You made this you, work very easy. Short, you know, <laughs> huh? How do you know this? You know? Wow. So, I mean, all the things I've learned, mm. they come to help. Nice. Yeah. How did you transition from O Easy to mm-hmm. Beautiful Nubia? Ah, well, the artist name. Initially, when I was thinking of that I was going to make these albums, I used to do little designs in my notebooks and it's like, O Easy. Okay. Seven Lives, you know, my first album. Yeah, <laughs> so I used to lives. do that, <laughs> you know. And then, but you know, by the time I actually started recording the songs and were in the studio, I was older then. Okay. I, I was like twenty nine, yeah, twenty nine at the time, and I was thinking more profoundly. Mm. You know, I was it was beyond. So I thought I could use Enyobanke as my stage name. I thought about that. Okay. Then one day I was just thinking about what I wanted, like, what's the philosophy behind your music? What are you trying to achieve with this? 
and I well, I want to inspire young people. It was always about that youth, young people. And I and I I I used to think, and I still feel like that. That a lot of our problems have to do with this. That we, you know, many of us think of ourselves as colonized peoples, mm. as second class citizens of the world. You know that our people do haven't really contributed much to the world because this is a narrative that has been pushed at us to keep yes. us down. Yes. You know, and so I thought I should find a name that addresses this. So I decided to use. I thought. Beautiful Nubia, that's a two-part name. Mm. Beautiful talks about a state of perfection that we should all seek. Yes. Where you are incapable of hatred, where you love every person you you meet, okay. and you 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 are prepared to give them the total love and sacrifice. I thought a, a soul like that that is incapable of that is beyond hate, beyond greed, you know, beyond um, even personal ambition. That kind of soul that's a very advanced soul that's a beautiful spirit mm. and i thought that is what i should aim for because a beautiful spirit will see beyond your faith will see beyond your face will see beyond your gender uh, will see beyond your ethnicity whatever will see the pure human being inside you mm. that deserves to be loved yeah because everyone deserves to be loved but Definitely. if we can cut through the veils that they've put on mm. you say i don't like muslims everybody yeah, move muslim you probably see the human being. Yeah. You see, because so, at the core, yes, we are first humans. Where, where we are all connected, because at the core of us, we all really, really, really truly want the same things. Mm. We want peace of mind. We want happiness. Eh? Somebody has a child. Everybody wants their child, children to do well. This is it, right? Ah, you know, he wants his child to do well. He wants his child to do well. But this one wants his child to be better than your child. Yeah. And then you start to have, but if you are a beautiful spirit, you want everybody's child to do well. You want your child to do well, but you want everybody's child. And you will do everything to ensure that not just your child does well, but somebody else's well, child does. They all do well. Mm -hmm. You know? So this is the thing that... So if you have a... So I thought, this is a state of perfection that is... Uh, you know, it's, it sounds utopian, but this is what I want for myself. And I'm going to work towards it. I'm going to rid myself of all that unnecessary ambition, all that greed, all that desire for material wealth that just reduces you to mm. this you know consumer i was going to be above all this i was going to come above and look down at humanity as they run around yeah. chasing in a way you can because i do see it that way i see people and i, I feel mm. for people because i don't think people understand what they are doing there mm. they're just running around people run around they do what just they making do, they do what people do and they say we're supposed to do this they will do it you know and so anyway, I chose that name so that I'll be able to achieve, that is, work towards that perfection for myself. And then I'll be able to tell my audience that this ideal is possible. Let us aim for it. Okay. And then Nubia, the second part of the name, is the name of a nation of black, dark-skinned people, so-called black people, who ruled Egypt at the height of Egypt's fame, you mm. know. So many of us, of course, you know, if you read history, you know that the Egyptian civilization is accepted by most scholars yes. as the first real modern civilization yeah. where it was really even and, with you know, writing and many people yeah and many people try to make it sound like that Egypt was kind of like a mix of all kinds that maybe because the people who are there now the Arabs who are there now those are not the original Occupan, people of Egypt no. so it was probably a mix of a lot of people but the original people there were dark skinned but even if you don't accept that Egyptians were dark skinned yes. at least you can accept that Nubians were dark 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 skinned mm. and they ruled Egypt for over 100 years. In those years, Egypt was the beacon of hope, beacon of, uh, of progress for the whole world in terms of social organization, economics, politics, 
the study of the of, of the planets because mm. we, we can't call it space you know <laughs> it was study of the planets Astrology. they knew all this yeah but but they knew astronomy mm. more, more like you know they knew it but they they knew about you know like modern medicine the roots of modern medicine were sold then the root the roots of modern travel mm. on road on sea in the air they were they still, all those seats was was sown at that time so if you read history you realize that people like us ruled Egypt at that time. They, they were at the forefront. They were like, the way you look at the Americans and I say, the U.S. is the leader of the world. The Nubians were the leaders of that ancient world. Mm-hmm. And they were black like you and I. Mm-hmm. And what I use that to tell us is that once people like us were the leaders of this world, mm-hmm. we can get back to that position of preeminence again if we learn to love ourselves, if we learn to develop these beautiful spirits. And so the two names, you know, come together, beautiful Nubia. It says a lot. And if you go to my website, you can actually see it there where I've written it concisely what it really means amazing your image and deluxe um if one should attend your um, your concerts one would know that you are definitely a sage the wisdom nuggets that you throw around even in your music the message um the values that you preach deluxe um add to that image is there uh, is there a reason for it for mm-hmm. deluxe or is it just preference no 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 there's no there's no reason there's no it's not even there for beauty. I don't even think it's that beautiful. So it's not there for beauty. But I mean, some people find it beautiful. Some, you know. Yeah, and then this is a freeform locks. Yeah. It's so I just the, left my hair alone. Yeah. I just left my hair. My mother's father's father, my maternal great great grandfather, mm. he was uh, Dada. Okay. And so then my mother, if you. And in case of people who do not um, know what Dada means, Dada would be like the Nazarene in the Bible. With locks, with locks, and they yeah, and he was so he was dada, and then with that air has always been the family, you know, done. And so when I was born, my mother said I was born with very little hair on my head, okay. but locks on the sides and in the back, and oh, wow. yeah. And she said, by the age of one, I just cut everything was cut off. I didn't know that. Nobody told me that. So I I just knew that growing up, my hair just grow like very quickly. And it will be very lumpy, yeah. and you comb Stubborn, it. It was yeah. hard to comb, but once you combed it, it will just form these locks. Like quickly, it will go into the clumps. <laughs> and the worst time for me was when I went to work, you know, as a as a executive in that company, and I I will be having meetings. And you know, of course, executives all have meetings, mm. one meeting after another. Yes. And I would have to take to leave before each meeting. I'll go to the bathroom and comb it. Because <laughs> you know, but you look in the mirror like, oh, these clumps, I had to comb it. Mm. And so I always told myself that, you know, me and this wala with my hair, the day I become my own boss, where I don't have to answer to anybody, yes. I'm just going to let this hair be and let it follow its natural destiny. And so in 2000, I left it. Mm. I just stopped combing it. Wow. I didn't twist it, I didn't, I just stopped combing it. And that's what. Happened. I have this, and this is what happened. Amazing so, looks. But you know, if I had left it, if I if I left it, it will be as long as we, yeah. Definitely. But you know, I so I do trim it. Oh, okay. Uh, I trim it. I I don't want it to get beyond like because uh, I'm not doing it for like for show. I'm not doing it. I'm doing it for peace of mind, it's so that my hair can you. be on its own and I can be on my own, and uh, so that I don't have to bother with this hair anymore. You see, when I wake up now, I just wake up. Yeah. I don't worry too much about wash my hair, comb comb it. Go to a barber. No, mm. concern that many men have. Been taken I have not had it for over <laughs> twenty years now. Wow. <laughs> My hair is just there. It does its own thing. The only thing I have this hairband. I put the hairband on if I want. That's mm. it. 
we don't we don't we don't fight anymore you know it's happy i'm happy yeah you know yeah. Uh, and well, i can cut it off if i want if i want i can it's not there's no spiritual thing to it okay. it's just my hair okay yeah i was just going to say that i was i was still very little then i saw an interview of you on bcos um <laughs> where the anchor actually asked you about the locks and he said ah that was very funny to me then because you think about how it's like a lot with women too a lot i have a lot of ladies around me now who wear locks and they tell me how much they actually realize they are saving yeah from not having to go to either to onidiri or to the weavers or to like a salon yeah you know so amazing Okay, so I was privileged to witness um, Beautiful Nubia live in concert a few days back. And um, this saying, a prophet is not respected in his hometown, does not hold true for you because you do have a cult following. And um, at the end of the concert, there were so much adulations. People wanted to take pictures. They were, And then, you know, they enjoyed the wisdom nuggets, the music itself. Mm-hmm. But they were singing word for word. Um, you've been exposed to that over the years um, through your career do you still get excited with that kind of experience you get from your fans or are you jaded from are you value exposed to that and when you are my kind of artist uh, every new convert yes uh, is 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 big you celebrate it just like talk about you know no cities are no longer that uh, you know that they're not really the trendy thing now but Every single CD will still sell up to now. It's important to me. Mm. I give out a lot of CDs. So I give them away to people. But if you just choose to buy one now, you've made my day. <laughs> this is how it is. You don't understand it. I can give out CDs for 10,000 just to give people. Uh, but if somebody buys one like for 1,000 one. she bought it. She mm. bought that CD. <laughs> bought my music. Amazing. Uh, so I, you can't, I don't know if someone like me can get over that. This is my, you know, I, I mean, when they come after the show and they do accounts and they say, we sold this, but they bought those books. Wow. They, people bought those books. <laughs> you know, I wrote that book. <laughs> They're buying it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I I can't get over it. Amazing. And so the same thing when I come to the show. And that what I really enjoy about these shows is that it's not the same people. We were here April 20, 27, maybe. Yeah, I can't remember. But if you check that crowd that we saw on Saturday, yes, it's three quarters totally different. Yeah. Mm. And so, yeah, so every time it's... Uh, and it's not because people are not coming back. This, those people you saw on April 27th, yes. you will see them again. They'll come back again. But yeah. I think part of the thing is people, maybe, you know, they were busy this week. And that's why, you, you know, as an artist, if you do a show every week, then, you know, those who can't have what you this week can come next week yep. or whatever, yep. you know. So, but I've, at every show, I'm seeing lots of new faces. People who have never, ever been to our shows. And for me, that is that is the progress that I like. So I, I don't get tired of it. I know what one of my staff said after the show. We're watching because we watch the videos sometimes after the show. We watch okay. the videos. And we're watching. Say, all those people, the ones that look like that, they're mm. the ones who have never come before. Yeah, it's a new experience <laughs> for them. The ones that have come before, you can tell because they know the way it goes. They drink their palm wine. They're like, yeah. yeah. But the ones who have never been there, they just sit there. I remember April twenty seventh that show. There was a young man, light complexion, tall, sitting in front. You, I thought maybe he was out there to do me harm. Because he looked so intense. Out of place. And he chose to sit right in front. <laughs> and it's no emotions. And I'm talking and I'm looking at him thinking maybe this one will get, I'll say something. Maybe it will get him to do something. He's just staring. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, he's probably just lost. He's lost in this words. He's lost in this old. Because he comes in here. Yeah. He looks at that ugly gate. He comes and is thinking, what is this place now? Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? Comes through the back. It's just these plastic chairs. 
what are we going to do here? And then the music begins. And I'm sure it's just like, it's out of there now. This is totally, because it's yeah. a music. It's a, for us, it's always been about the content. Mm. It's the content. The packaging is, is great, but I don't waste too much time on packaging. packaging. It's the content. Because what I say in my music is also that we need to learn as Africans to stop looking at the packaging. Mm. And I have to reflect it in what I do with my work. Because it is the packaging that they have, they have used to enslave us. It's the packaging they've used to keep us down politically up till now. And because we are slaves to the superficial, to the shiny, to the packaging, and you've got people now who are involved in marketing. And I used to do marketing. I, 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 my kind of marketing, we didn't lie to people. We didn't do stupid packaging that was all flat. But I understand it, that we live in a world where, you know, you've got Americans leading everybody, mm. and they're the masters of it. Yes. Uh-huh. So we're all following them, and we Everybody do is imitating all, this, them. Uh, all this packaging that doesn't, you know, we, so you live here with an experience that is very superfluous, that's so superficial, it's temporary, it doesn't last. But if you come to our show, a first-timer, they usually leave, and they write, and they write us. I mean, we've got messages since Saturday. Mm. People just saying, this is my first time after your show. It's life-changing. Mm. It just keeps playing over and over in my head. So when I see those first-timers, it's for me, but the one that gets me, why I can never get tired of playing shows, is because children come to my show, little children. And when I see the children, ha, you've made, if I suppose I see a child, I'm so happy. Yeah. They are the ones, often on, on stage, is the children that I'm looking at. Yeah. That I'm, I'm watching you them, know, they're dancing, they're happy. I also you saw know. a toddler that was on the back of this. Yes, and people bring dad, all these little children. she was dancing, yes. enjoying and the experience. For me, this is, it. this is what I really, really enjoy. So I, I don't know if I can get, I think if your music is, um, if you're a pop musician, and I've met many of them. Don't forget that I've been doing this for a long, long time. And I've met some of the biggest artists in this world. I've met them. And they're the biggest entertainers. Mm. The ones who to do big tours and they're playing in stadiums and they're like, uh, I don't know, 20,000 people. Yeah. And I've met some of them. And you can see how tired they are of it. Mm. They are tired of it. They're, many of them are just, they, they do not like it. They, they don't enjoy it anymore. Mm. And because there's no personal interaction there. And they know that the people are listening to them. Just listen to them for now. They know they're a fad. Yeah, passing phase. Mm. Eventually, you no longer be trendy. They know that themselves. But you see someone like me. Uh, what I do is not like that. If you if you were, if you had come to my show twenty years ago, what you saw is what you would have seen then too. Mm. It's this, you know, our our vibe because the music that binds us. It's not trendy. It's not um, time bound. Yes, it's eternal music. Mm. So. Okay, and you know when you look at the demography of your audience, um, especially at your concerts, you see that they are the young, the youths. I think it's quite interesting that you've managed to stay relevant over the years and also to be able to convert young people that are exposed to this. See so many things. Uh, yeah, just, just so many um, content out there. But So would you say that um, paying more attention to the content, you as a producer of music now, has helped you to stay relevant over the years? Is that what it is? Yeah, because the content is what is what this music is all about. You know yourself that if you are going to start <laughs> measuring us in terms of packaging against other mm. other things you have out there that we will not even measure anywhere at any level because our focus has always been on the content. Uh, and the kind of content we've got, you have to give it the basic packaging or else you will, kill, you will obscure the message. Mm. So we have to be the way we are because the content is what we want to sell. And that content is what has enabled us to have a grandfather as our fan, okay. and then a daughter 
as our fan. Yeah. And then the, the, the little ones are coming now. Yeah. And you can so see you can it. Ap- you, are, if, you can appeal to like three generations. It will, it's not. It's or not, more self. This music will keep playing. Don't you know yeah. what's going on? People are bringing their children here. Yeah. Those kids, 10 years from now, they'll be 18, they'll be 20, mm-hmm. and they'll be coming to these shows. Me, I'll be like 80 if and I'm still alive. And they will show their kids eh? picture of them. <laughs> so you see beautiful Nubia. Yes. See my picture with You'll see, Nubia. people say, you know, I'm coming to see that old man, and I'll be like 75, 80. Yeah. And it's a new generation still coming. And you'll be maybe older, you'll be busy. You'll be like, yeah, just go and do your show, Joe. Go and you're going to see beautiful Nubia. Okay, go and see. Because this will be your own grandchildren, your children mm. coming to these shows. Yeah. And this will happen. It's not that I will stop. Because I know it will happen. Because it's the music. It's not me. They're, don't forget, it's not me they're coming to see. Yes. I don't think people come here because they they love beautiful Nubia. No, they, they think so. You love beautiful just Nubia's music. The music touches something in you. Mm. There's a truth in that music that agrees with your truth inside you. Yes. Because we, we all do have that uh, germ. It's there inside us. And when you hear it, you know, okay, this is real. This is true. You may want to run away from it because you don't want it. But it's there and there's a commonality. And so when you play that kind of, like when Jamal Dibu came out in 2002, people told me, it's such a huge album, popular album everywhere. And somebody asked me, why do you think people like it? I said, because it's saying what they would have loved to say if they could sing. Mm-hmm. The music is saying what people would like to say if they could write songs. That music speaks is 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 basically my voice singing in your voices. Yeah. And so people can see themselves reflected in that music. Mm-hmm. Any song you think because a song like a song like what you're feeling. Uh, find a woman who doesn't like that song. Any woman who understands the sentiments in that song. Mm-hmm. Because this is a song that's not saying Shadi Ashewu, she has taken all my money, bad yeah. woman. No. <laughs> because a lot of our I love songs were about that. Yeah. Putting our women down. Putting our women down or objectify them, saying things like, you know, Mara Shofunwe, Mara Kirikov, you know. Yeah. And this is conditioned our girls to think that they are objects to be bought. That's what Or that the man is bought. supposed to always be, instead of seeing themselves as human beings who are equal to these people. See, you, and when you don't put your women on that equal pedestal, the society cannot make progress. Mm. Because a lot of the tools for progress are in the women's hands. And when you keep them down, and you, so with our music, even with what you're feeling, you don't realize it, but it's a tool of, social engineering when the man is saying I want to know your house and go with you I want to lose myself in you so it's not just like you know I have money I want to buy you I want to buy your love no that's not it mm-hmm. it's it's the man saying you you such a beautiful you're beautiful in and out you are worthy mm-hmm. you're like you know you're a queen you're, this is a man saying very nice things about a woman and saying I, I want to, I just want to go with you. I want to go with you. I want to, he's not saying, I love you. He's saying, I want to love you. Like I want to, you know, you know what? Yeah, he said, I want to love you. With you. <laughs> yeah. you know? It's a very powerful line. That I, I want to love you because I want to do, it's not like, I love you already, but I want to really, really love to, you. Yeah, I want to be part of you. And develop that. You know? So a song like that, you don't know how many heads that's shaped in our society. How many men have used that to woo women and how those relationships will be on a very nice footing because it's at the root of the relationship, that respect, mm. that mutual respect. A song like uh, uh, it talks about what we see in life. Uh, you know, this is how things are, the inequality in society. Or a song like Seven Lives, which is probably, I don't know which one's the biggest song, but I think with a lot of young people, Seven Lives is probably the biggest for young yeah. people. Oh, they love that song. In my journey through the world, and you know, it makes a young person feel 
like they're something, like they're yeah. they have value and that they can do things. Yeah, and that's that the song I was referring to. You, you talked about people going about their activities, doing different things. You, you observe, you see people getting um, ingrained in what they are doing, and you know, mm. I think people get lost in that too, trying to make a living, just um, yeah, well, lost in I the mean, activities. I mean, and not actually thriving. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the thing about us is that. We need to survive, and survival makes a lot of people. And when you start very early, especially if you have, if you have suffered early childhood poverty, yes, it just makes a lot of people. You know, they just run. They get carried away. Yeah, and, and then they just start to wake up and they're running, but they don't know where they're running to. They don't know what they're running from. They don't know why they're running. They don't even know what the price will be at the end of the day. And I keep trying to remind people that the price at the end of the day is that is death. That's the price. Mm. And I'm not trying to be morbid, but this is the price. Because all of us will end. But we've got from one stage, when you're born, to when you die. And you could do a lot of amazing things. Whether you have 30 years, 50 years, 100 years, you could do a lot of amazing, amazing things if you understand the purpose of life. My grandmother told me that your purpose in life, your purpose here, is to make your life a blessing to your people. Mm. To make your life a seed that you sow in this blessed earth unto which you are born. Now spend all the days of your life watering that seed until it grows into a mighty tree that will provide shade for others coming up, for those coming up. For generations you. to come. So whether you are a painter or a mechanic or a farmer or a musician or a filmmaker or a whatever, a journalist, whatever it is that you are, it should be, this is your aim, your purpose, should be to use those skills, to use that profession, to use all your way with all your energy, your creativity, to ensure that you do something that builds your society, that enriches your society, that makes things easy. So what I'm doing with my music now, I'm trying to show people the path. Mm. I'm trying to guide people. I'm trying to help people to be happier in their lives. I'm trying to build a path for those coming after us. Mm. And so that kind of content, there's no way that it's it's not something that is for now. It's eternal. The content is eternal. Yes. So it will keep bringing people. So the children will come. Their children will come. Their children's children will come. And that is how it is. It's not, it's not something that it's not about me packaging the music or promoting it. Mm. In actual fact, people have told us in the past that our music would become more popular if we paid money to DJs, paid money to DJs to promote, to do this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Now it's just, yeah. But this kind kind of music, it needs to be promoted by those who listen to it. Exactly. Yeah. It it's, also matters how you get introduced to the to, yes, to the you've brand. got it. Thank yeah. you very much. It's not so, something you want to hear in yeah. the club. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. That music, it's and if you go and check how our music has been so popular over the years, it's mouth, mouth. I know we've done, we've had, we had the initial push was there on radio, and we did pay some some good money for some help here and there. Okay, but a lot of the or radio play in those days we didn't even actually pay for it initially. Mm. You know, it was organic. People loved the music we were playing it, but the, that push was important. Early on, yeah. when Jamal Adibu came out, and everybody loved it, and they were playing it in Ibadan, Lagos, in Nakure, people were playing this music. It gave us that initial thing. But after that, you can try all you want. When we did Awilele follow-up album, Awilele was talking about serious things. Mm. Nobody wanted to touch it. Mm. Yeah, even the so-called journalists who are now our friends refused to touch it. <laughs> they didn't touch it because it was just too topical. It was yeah. too strong. It was too indicting. It was pointing out the evil in every one of us. It was telling us how greedy we were. All we all were. It was telling us that we were all bigots in one way or the other, ethnic bigots, religious bigots. Mm. Yeah? Uh, you know. And people would rather just choose to ignore people, people that. People turned yeah, and move and on with their life. DJs, you say, uh, uh, Jamal Dibuye, 
was sweet, oh. But this are really, it's not sweet. As they just so at that point, I knew that we couldn't keep pushing this in the traditional way. We have to let the people do it themselves, and that's mm. what we've. I mean, we do promo, we do paid promo now on social yeah. media. We do a lot of that stuff. But we ourselves know that that's not really what's driving our business. And there's this song that promotes itself. <laughs> you have to play that I mean, song. To be honest, I, I think all our songs promote themselves yeah. like that. Because but that it, one, it works with that day part with in the, the morning. Yes, so radio stations will play it in I'm, the morning. I'm, I'm whether, whether, whether people like Beautiful Nibia or not, they listen. I've had people say, I don't really like your music, but that one song I played. Yeah. You know? So because it's... Uh, and it's like just same thing with Seven Lives. There are kids who will say, you know, my this artist, this person, who is the, uh, this hip hop or pop guy, is my favorite person. But I listen to you, beautiful Nubia, Seven Lives, you know, <laughs> because yeah. it makes, so there, somebody you will find one thing or the other that you like. Mm-hmm. The other thing about young people coming to our shows is that I need people, that people are not understand this. They're not coming here because they only love beautiful Nubia. Mm. These are people who like other things. Right? You presented you, you said yourself. Yes. They like other things. Mm-hmm. But they come here because the human brain is not created or designed to like only one kind of music. Yes. It is us like in Nigeria who have turned ourselves into these robots. Mm. Yeah. You know, where if you put on radio, I don't know about it, but if you put it in Lagos, they can have up to 20 stations there. Put all of them on. They'll be playing the same kind of music yeah. all day. You are destroying our people's minds. We're destroying mm. the children's minds. I grew up in an era where you could put on radio and there will be hour and hour for traditional music. The next hour is for reggae music. The next hour is for country music. The next hour is for traditional and music. At night you next... have R&B, soul ah, yeah, yeah, music. Yeah. And you, you could, and then of course, you know, you could listen to all this great music, but Fridays or whatever, you could go to a club and dance to your club bangers. Yeah, they didn't play those music. club bangers in on radio, on radio because they were club bangers but we knew them and mm. people could buy the albums if you wanted to be club banging in your house you could buy the album and play it at home if you wanted or if you had like a dance show on tv they would play them there and people would dance like a dance show like it they used to have those things in the 70s and 80s in in, in the bad even here at uh, tsos that became bcos they used to have it where they would have like a, a, a dance show for one hour and they would play all those club bangers there mm. but there was a time for everything but you know what we're listening to in nigeria now your club bangers are now what you are playing on Monday morning. Yes, so. <laughs> so all the people that are coming to my shows, don't forget, they too, how you know they like all these trendy things is because when they start dancing, they are dancing those trendy dances. You can see them. Yeah, they will dance it too. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully for them, their brains have not been uh, reduced to just liking one kind of thing. Mm. They've actually allowed their brain to do its normal thing, which is to be expansive, to be able to accept all kinds. Mm. And there's a place for everything. Yes. There's a place for the club banger. And mm. I have nothing against anybody singing what they are singing. People, all these kids playing music. It's, it, I think there's a place for that. Yeah, it plays on time. Yes. Yeah. And then there's a place for our kind of music. But the media in this country is not helping our people. But they won't help our people because if you look at who owns the media, then you know they're not really... Yeah. They, uh, the people who own the media one and the government, of course, they want people to remain ignorant. The people who are trying to get into government... Who own the other stations? Because those are trying to get into government. If they're not in government, they're trying to get into government. Mm. Eh? Go and check all the stations. See who owns them. Eh? Who owns what? And if you go and dig and dig and dig and dig and dig, eh? there are always political interests or economic interests. And their interest is to dumb the people down. And so this is what they want to do. Our music is a tool of mass sensitization. It will be hard for you to hear our music on radio. 
in Nigeria right now. People play it. There are stations that play. They select what they want. In fact, most of them are still playing World Roger, Seven Lives. Those are benign songs. You see, these are songs that I just kind of... But they will not play you Matters Arising. They will not play you oh, the ones that have that indict the government or that indict the people. Yeah. The ones that have that talk about real like Iwa. That's you know, the ones that talk, talk about how we can change society. How can we make our lives better? They won't play those ones. I mean, I was really impressed one one station in the Badon played Boshin Dagba. And I hope they didn't sack the guy. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> Boshin Dagba is, is the kind of song they could be playing. It talks about it talks to the children, saying as you are getting older, child, please don't forget where you have come from and put your hands to goodness. Put your hands to goodness. Don't be part of evil. Don't be part of, you know. And these are songs you put on radio to help your people. But I find that the media in Nigeria now, it's all about whoever has brought money and they just work for their masters and do their masters bidding. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's hard to blame them because whoever pays the Piper dictates the, the tune. tune. That's how it works. Okay. So, all right. Um, I also want to ask, what birthed Emu Fest? I think that's in your banker music, music festival. festival. Yeah, we started that in 2010, and because I, I actually just wanted to get all my own. When I was a kid, there were musicians that I really liked, that I, whose music I thought were really innovative and forward-looking at the time. Yes. Someone like Tunju Yelanon, mm-hmm. uh, the Lijadu Sisters, uh, Johnny Astrop of Mono Mono, um, Orlando Julius, Ekemode, Jimmy Sholanke, and so on. There were people like that. Uh, I, and I, I thought we could create a festival where, you know, we, you know, of course, we will be the hosts and we can have some of these great artists feature perform. on the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we have lots of young artists. Because I want, what I wanted really was a platform for young artists to showcase themselves. Because not, if you listen to the radio in Nigeria, you would think every young person only does this Pangolo Pangolo music. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And that's not the that's case. That's not true. Mm-hmm. There are lots of young artists who are actually trying to explore folk music, explore jazz, explore, you know, there are lots of them out there. So, and I used to meet them and they used to open for us at our shows. So I thought, why not create a festival where you could give a platform for them to, cause, and because the, what they always talk about, those young people, what they always say is, we have no place to play. Mm. And I've, since I went through it myself, you, if you haven't tried to play music, you don't realize it, how difficult it is to find a place to play. Mm. In fact, at some point, people will start asking you to pay to come and play. To come on, yeah. That happens a lot with uh-huh. um, younger guys uh-huh. that do pop music. Yeah. So you I pay want, DJs, uh-huh, to you come pay and play. event uh-huh. organizers. So I wanted to create a, a festival where they wouldn't have to pay to play. Where, in actual fact, in years where I've had money, because I run that festival with my own money, Mm. And in years where I've had money, I've paid them. Wow. Uh, some years I've paid them. When I've had money, I've paid them. To just give them an idea that you deserve, you should be paid. This is work. This is not a joke. When you do music, real music, it's work. And so we created that thing as a platform to showcase young artists and celebrate the legends. And these are the artists that you believe have the content. Yes. Yeah, the and right so messages. People send in their applications and then we kind of weed out, we pick the ones that we think meet our criteria okay and then usually every year we have several one at least one legendary artist to join us mm. you know so like the next MFS we're going to have uh, Mr. Joda Boderi who many people know as uh, you know a multi-instrumentalist and uh, an electronics guru genius a genius the man is a genius yeah I think you and, talked about him at yeah, the and he's going to come with his uh, band that's called Afro Links jazz band okay. they're going to perform at our next MFS 
Then we're going to have uh, Tajok in this old man who, you know, who started doing his music in, in the 60s. I know he's a virtual unknown, but in his own right, he's a legend. So we want to, so these are the kind of things that we want to do to at least give us a chance to celebrate some of these older artists, mm. but then use that same platform to showcase new talent. So that's what MFS is all about. All right. Um, your stage craft is truly something to behold. Um, it's uplifting. Uh, it's therapeutic. The way you sing, the um, wisdom nuggets that you throw out there. Have you always been that um, confident on stage? Has it always been like that? Uh, well, okay, let me start back like this. I met um, a high school mate okay. a few years ago. And she said, I can't believe you are beautiful, Nubia. Because she knew my music. And she had listened to my music for years. I did not. She didn't connect it. Oh, wow. She said, I can't believe. But how, how are you able to go on stage? You used to be so shy. <laughs> so, because I was very, very shy. Mm. If you talk about extreme shy, that was me. I was very, very shy. As a child, I was extremely shy. But you know, even in primary school, the teachers knew I was shy, okay. but they would push me on stage. Somehow, they knew I had talent. Mm. They knew I had artistic talent. They knew I could be a performer. I don't know how, but they used to push me on stage. I, I mean, I, I used to be like, why me? Why me? Cultural <laughs> dance. Go and join them, Akinolu. <laughs> it was always like that. Uh, poetry recitation. Go and join them. Mm. So... And then in secondary school, you know, I was involved in debating. I was I was the head of the debating society. I was the head of the, the quiz society, you know. So I, I, I was involved in all this stuff, but I was always very shy. Mm -hmm. And I still remember running a debate in high school and the shaking like that, <laughs> talking, and my voice is shaking, my, and everything. <laughs> but when I got to the university, though, and I started performing there, I, I just suddenly, I worked on it. I think I used to just go on stage all the time. Okay. So, because if you have an issue like that, the best thing is to confront it. Mm. And so uh, every chance I got, I threw myself on stage. Every small chance, I threw myself on stage. So by the time I was in university, and I, was, I used to do performances. I don't remember ever being nervous anymore. Mm. I just, the only thing was, I wasn't sure if they were accepted. And you know, when you are not sure if people are going to like your music, that's not a good thing. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a, so. To affect your confidence. Yeah, so I used to kind of go on stage, not being too sure. You know, now I go on stage, I really, don't have that worry anymore. Mm. Hmm. I don't think will they like it. They they are here because they already like it. Yes. And if they've brought friends who don't like it, they will leave. They like might it. like it or they might not like it. That's you know I don't have to worry my head too much about it. You know, but the people who have paid to who like my music, I know that I will get out there and we will make this music together. And their friends who are new, because you can see me making the because I don't make the music alone. Don't forget mm. when I get on stage, I'm making it with the audience. Sometimes people don't understand their life. They don't realize that they are part of it. Mm. Uh, it's energy that we are combining. Yeah. Uh, and without the audience there, it falls flat. But the audience that is engaged, they already know this. So that's the thing when you are just starting out, the audience is not engaged because they don't know your music yet. Yet. So it was a bit more difficult. So I used to go on stage with the worry, what if they don't like it? Mm. So, but you know, immediately, but once we got to the point where people liked our music, there was an assurance that they would like so like say by year 2002 yes when you knew that people knew our music mm. and they were coming there because they liked the music then you didn't there was nothing to worry about. there's nothing yeah. no nerves no no worries about anything okay. you just go i've always been a performer right from when i was a child i've always been a performer but so maybe some nerves when i was in high school primary school but i think from when i was in the university uh, no, I've never, I've not, 
you know, they have not had no nerves. I mean, okay. I've, I've met many artists who say they have to drink before they go on stage. Yeah. Many, many Some big artists, many big artists smoke before they go on stage. Mm. I don't do anything. I just go. This is me. <laughs> I just drink water and I get on stage. Mm. Of course, I do say prayers, you know. Okay. Uh, I don't say prayers the way people say prayers. I say prayers for everything. I say prayers like my Yoruba ancestors. The way my ancestors say prayers, I say prayers. So I say, we're going out. Mm. So there's a show. We're going to go out to the show now. Great show. That's a prince prayer. Mm. Let's go have a good show, guys. Let's go, let's go, let's go. That's a prayer. Yeah. Uh-huh. We just go and we go out there. I'm like, hey, my people, how are you doing? Let's go. What do you want? What should we sing? Let's sing it. Because it's not just me singing. It's all of us, right? So I'm going to sing it. And then halfway, I'm going to start talking. <laughs> and yeah. I, I mean, that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. But the talk is not me. You see, it's not... I, I don't plan before I come on stage. I'm going to talk about this today. No. That's why I say the audience is important. Mm. I'm hearing them. They're not speaking, but I can hear them. See, that's... I can hear people's thoughts when I'm on stage. Yeah. I see a lot of that. Yeah. So, I'm responding to their thoughts even though I don't realize it myself. This is how I analyze it now. That it must be that, you know, we are spiritual beings, all of yes. us. Yes. And we are sending out waves. And when I'm on stage, I... I also have sensors too. Yes. And there's something that comes so I start talking. Mm. And maybe it's not for everybody, maybe just for one person there, I don't know. But then I start talking. Mm. And then I sing another song and then I'm looking at faces and then I, then I just start talking again. I don't plan it. But we've come to a point now where you can feel that uh, there's comfort. There's um, my band is comfortable because sometimes what throws an artist off on stage too. If you have a backing group and they are not on the same page as you, yeah. But my band is comfortable. You can see them on stage. They are comfortable. We don't worry about making a mistake mm. <laughs> because we are playing our music. Yeah. We're not playing. We're not doing covers. That people are going to say, ah, oh, you didn't play like that. No, <laughs> you can play it anyhow we like, right? So, and it's just a nice place to be right now. To be honest with you, it's a very nice place to be where we know. The people are happy to be at our shows. We are happy to go play for them. Um, we know that whatever happens, it's going to be a win-win. We're going to leave the stage feeling like we've done something with our lives. The people in the audience are going to leave feeling like they've had value for those few hours we've been together. Okay. I think it's just it's such a wonderful feeling to have. All right. Um, another thing I've noticed about your music is that um, you infuse a lot of folk theme in them. And they make these songs um, anthemic, so they are easy to sing along to in concerts. Um, do you engineer them deliberately for that purpose? Is the way you no, write your no, song? No, no, I, I don't think like that when I'm like. I've, let me tell you how I write songs actually, so you understand why I, I said no. Okay. Because I don't um, write songs to. I don't operate from. Oh, let me do what will make people dance. Yeah. Or let me do what will make them. <laughs> I don't operate like that. Okay. And uh, you know, songs just come to me. So that's always been my gift. Is that songs come to me. So if a song comes, then I write it down, uh, and that usually is the, my preferred mode of songwriting. I like when a song comes, like the way Seven Lives came to me. It just came like that. All the words, the instrumentation, all in one go. Wow. On a day in 1989, sorry, 89, I was walking from the UI gate to my old Melambio. I, I used to do those that work like several times in the evening just for exercise, just to clear my head. A lot of my songs, I've written them while I'm working. Wow. Yeah. I'm working. If I will go for a walk, I can write a song. If it's not hot, <laughs> when it's cool and breezy and, and and everything is peaceful and I go for a long walk, if nobody is there with me, I'll write a song. Amazing. If I want to. 
because it will just come. Wow. You know? Yeah. So uh that's my best. That's the way. And when a song comes like that, okay, in my journey through the world over now, young people say it makes them feel strong. It gives them focus. But I wasn't thinking I'm going to write a song that will give young people focus. No, no, no. Mm. I just wrote the song as it came to me, and that's a fantastic gift to have. It makes me feel, you know, no, I feel so blessed that I have this gift, because I'm a vessel. See, I like to say they're my songs, <laughs> but I do know I know myself that I'm just a vessel mm. for this materials to come to the people yeah uh-huh. so these materials need to get to the people you are the conduit for it yeah. and i think that's a blessing to be that so yeah. then the other way that songs come to me is am i right because you know I, I just i'm a i'm a i love words and words love me you know and then i might just write a poem what i consider a poem mm. and it's just there on paper and then 10 years later one day i just look at that poem then i just start singing it I just add melody to it it becomes a song wow yeah there are so many of these songs that also started as um, melodies where something just something comes to my head i'm singing it all over the place and i'm just enjoying myself and the words will come later yeah but that one i made it as an instrumental in my I, so okay. nowadays i do a lot of those things even now as wow. instrumentals in the album but a lot of those kind of things they come as melodies i write words into them to go in them mm. but i don't say let me write certain words i don't go like that okay you know like a song like da 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 i had written the melody then i thought it sounds like tabacula dere or red means i put it there mm. you understand it's not like um it's just the way it's the way my head works as a songwriter i don't I, there's no uh, the other way that i write songs is when people ask me to do it and i do not like that when people ask me oh can you write a song for this movie can yeah. you i don't like write on demand i don't like it mm. when people commission me to do songs i've never but you know some of the songs i've written for those purposes they've become it yeah it's yeah. one of them and you have this song and uh, Obama, Kufo. You love yes Kufo. Kufo. Obama, you yes love. that was written yeah. for a movie i you know i i suffered to make that one because <laughs> i didn't like it yeah. The idea that somebody said, go and write a song for a movie. We're waiting for you to bring the song. Okay. They put you on the spot. And you have, you, have to, you, have to, you start thinking, can I do this? So you have to take a different creative It's a different, yes. And I do not, I do not want it. I do not like it. In fact, I don't want those kind of jobs. I always say I don't want, because it's too stressful for me. It's not the kind of thing that I like. You still manage to infuse your your values and your message even in those songs even in those ones so yes. i think it's important to also <laughs> do those kind of songs because well you need every medium yes to but pass I, do, I don't like them I, <laughs> it's too stressful for me as a songwriter i like when the songs just come when people ask me oh can you write a song for my program yes I'm like i do not like this kind of thing because you know you're because it. i'm already successful as a songwriter okay i've already written songs that are very very popular then you think this way they're putting me on the spot what if this one is not popular now what if it doesn't come out and it's not you know you don't come down saying hey you know so you because you've not been placed on a pedestal you don't want to do something that's lower that than that subpar. so it becomes a lot of stress okay. because i'm trying to put all the experiences i've had over the years all the tools i have for my melody for words i want to put it all in there to make it excellent mm. do you write for other artists mm, not specifically for any particular i've written for people i don't know whether they, what they've done with those things okay i've written but I've written for many artists. You just don't know it. Many of the popular artists in Nigeria have borrowed from my music. Mm. They don't give credit. Mm. You know they don't. Yeah. Some of the very popular artists in this country have taken from my music. I've written for them. 
<laughs> so, but they don't, they don't. Nigerians don't give credit. Yeah. They're happy to just take. They, they take and then they bend it, bend it, bend it, and it's then they say, "I'm great. I did this myself." <laughs> but you see, in other societies, somebody will say, "I listened to beautiful Nibia's song. It inspired me to write this song, yeah. which is related to his own." Mm. You see, that your song will not be popular. You will not make millions from that song. But beautiful Nibia will also get his credit. Yes, and it will. It doesn't take anything from you. There will be a split sheet that says, "Yes, beautiful but you see, our good. artists." Just like to say, I just dropped from the sky. Nobody influenced me. I'm just doing it. I'm awesome, mm. <laughs> you know. And I, the, and this, I think it's, it, it just shows uh, the values we have as a society. We don't give credit. We don't. We are not very generous of spirit. We are not honest. Mm. Mm. And these are the things I'm trying to use my music to help us to change. Okay. That we come to a point in society where somebody can say, I mean, when I tell people that as a child. I remember myself in 1978 as a 10-year-old in the middle of my grandmother's bedroom. Yeah. And there's a radio, not in my grandmother's room, but in somebody else's room, because it was a face me, I face you building. In somebody else's room, there's a radio, and we heard mm. And I remember listening as a child, 10 years old. I had already started writing songs then. And I remember saying, thinking to my, I thought to myself, this should be the kind of direction that modern Yoruba music should go. Mm. And I remember thinking it. See, and I've said that at every, in many places I've gone, I tell people, a lot of what we do now, we probably can't be doing them if we didn't have forerunners like Tunjo Ilano, yes. like the Jaju sisters, those sisters, the things the Jajus did, that was amazing. Yes. Or Mono Mono, Johnny Astro, and the rest of them like that. The things they tried to do, you know, they were doing what they, some of them called their own Afro high life, Afro jazz, yeah. Afro rock, whatever they called, I mean, Afro soul. Most of them were outside of the country. Then they left, they, then they all left eventually yeah. because Nigeria wasn't really. Yeah, but they managed to still keep that, um, that original Yoruba I, you sound. Know, you, you go, you, that's it. And you go through the music, you go to the root of it. What is it? It's the folk rhythms. Yeah. And you know, doing what they did, in a way it gave someone like me the confidence to think it is possible to do this that if I, I can do a word and I can add English to it mm. you see yeah yeah and I can just build it that I can play and I use it, I can sing English on top of it mm. I can use that traditional Yoruba rhythm and put, put the English, English into it uh -huh, you know but so I, it's good to give credit to those who have gone before us yeah. because it is impossible to do what you are doing if you haven't been influenced yeah, by you must have been, their work. I, I just can't tell you that this is one influence. This is I, I've never had a mentor. Mm. I have never ever gone to an artist to say mentor me. I've never done that. I was never trained by anybody. I just have a gift and I've used my gift. But of course, I've been trained by everybody. Mm. See, I've not been trained by one person, but I've been trained by everybody. People. Whoever I have listened to has trained me. Mm. Whoever I have listened to has mentored me. Because you you listen to their music, you listen to how they've done it. You think. Wow, I could try that. Oh, this man has used two bass, two bass guitars in this song. Wow, I can do that. You see, these are the things. And this person has used talking drum and go and this and that and infused keyboard in the way that you can't even hear the keyboard. You just think you're hearing rhythm. Yeah. Oh wow, it can be done. So mm -hmm. I can do. I can do it better. Mm -hmm. But you can't do it better if the original wasn't there. Yes. So this is the thing. This so is the uh, bass for you. So I have. So I like to tell people that I have written songs for people. Though. Mm. For, for many artists, mm. <laughs> they borrowed, <laughs> but they don't give credit. But it's fine, you know. Mm. It's just it's just the way we are. 
Okay. I'd like you to talk about something that you mentioned uh, from our last discussion. Obviously, your music, you do activism, um, human rights, activism, social change, and all of that. But you don't do it in the confrontational, in your face style. Um, you rather prefer solution. I would like you to talk well, about that. Well, you know, I, I, I've always told people, when people say, oh, protest musicians, I say I'm not one of them. I don't protest in my music. I give solutions in my music. I show the people the way to reform, to renewal. Any, any album of mine that you go and check, it's always talking about reform, renewal, rebirth, mm. how we can do re-engineer ourselves, improve our lives. I'm talking about long-term solutions in my music. Mm. I'm not going to waste my time attacking our current political players. It's a waste of my time and energy. Mm. They're already there. The mess is already there. How do we get out of the mess? That's what I sing about. I'm not going to lament that we don't have light or we don't have water. Yeah. We already know we don't have those things. I'm going to talk about how we can fix society so that all those problems go away. We can only hope that they do listen. It will change. It will change. The people don't need to listen and listening to us. You see, because... I am not trying to change the people in power. Don't forget, I'm not trying to change an adult. Adults are stuck in their ways. They are bent, they are bent, they are bent. You're going to keep trying. You're trying your best to remind them to... It's the young that you need to talk to. Mm. So my music has always been focused on catching young people, getting, planting ideas in people's minds. Okay. So that those who will be our leaders 30 years from now will be upright people, yes. will be smart people, will be creative people. We need creative uh, honest leadership. Mm. My music can help us get that. My music can help us find find that leadership. Amazing. And so that is what my focus has always been. It's not it's not on um, you know looking for somebody's trouble or trying to say somebody's a thief. You know, I mean, on stage sometimes I escorate our leaders. <laughs> on stage sometimes I try to you know. I talk about all the problems we have. Because people I, do want to talk about yeah, them. Yeah, so I, I talk about these problems, but I'm more focused on giving us solutions. Yeah, and right. I think it's possible that, of course, as an artist, you are in, in a very good position to give solutions. Because like I've told you, an artist can stay out and look down. Yes. An artist is not driven by the passions that drive people. My passion mm. is not to make money. Okay. My passion is not to build a family. My, see, this, these are not... These are not my passion is to see people do well, is to help people, to guide people. As an artist, that's your goal. Mm. And so, as an artist, you can stay up there. It's, it's, it's hard to explain it. But I actually do feel, I do feel that I see people and I look at them and I feel like maybe I can help them. Mm. I, I can't use my hand to do it, but I can use my words to kind yeah. of help them find them, move this way, move that way. This it how, goes back this to how we should do it. Um, what we identified earlier that you see parts and you see how they can function better. Yes, right from it. your education and your background. Okay, now let's take a step back from the um, creative aspect of your um, productions. There's a series, a small room. Yes. You have several the, albums the that acoustic, span from that. Acoustic albums, yes. Yeah. I'm a sound engineer and something intrigues me about those albums. <laughs> um, you know, you have your uh, live recordings and you have your studio albums. Yes. But that um, small room series, yeah. there's a way they do the mixing that it gives you that intimate <laughs> yes. sound. Like you are in, the, in a room, room in a person, small yes. room with the band playing that song. Was that a deliberate? Um, it was deliberate and everything you're hearing that I played it. Wow. I play everything on the, the acoustic album. Everything, wow. yes. I do all the singing myself too. Amazing. That's the idea of the acoustic album. That here, this is me now going to the roots of my career. Where, as a child, I used to write these songs. 
and I will accompany myself with drums. Mm. So I didn't, when I wrote Seven Lives, I didn't start to play guitar then. So I used to play it in my journey through the world and overland. Wow. So this is the, so, so now with the acoustic albums, I'm basically taking each song and stripping away all the horns, the keyboard, mm. the, the wind instruments, the yeah. whatever. I'm Going taking everything away. Basics. So it's just all percussion, some guitar. Yeah. Because rhythm guitar. Yes. Right? So it's all just basic rhythm. And then, you know, uh, and then of course, voices. I'm put, my voice is there. Mm -hmm. And I do the lead, I do the backup myself. Just so that you don't hear any other person there. Mm -hmm. This is me as the oh. songwriter. So it's, the, it's like the closest we can see can, to how you create I, those yes, songs. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. And this is like, this is a demo. Mm. which I often do for my band like our last album is going to come out soon as our next uh, series of the acoustic albums Amazing. and what you see there that's actually the demo that okay. I played for my band Wow! for our, for some of the songs you hear me sing the aunts mm. in my mouth and because and that is what I wanted to do there to show people that this okay song like that that's how I did it that's how I put up I recorded like that Amazing. I give it to my band okay I want they will say what you want is that that's the aunt oh okay so, <laughs> so what's, the, what's the other part so everybody will take their own part yes, from so what you've already created. From, that's how I, that's how I teach the band out. And then you can hear sometimes, I actually play the bass on these acoustic recordings. Mm. I play the bass with my guitar as well. Wow. My acoustic guitar. Yeah. I play the top strings. Okay. The two top strings. Yes. That's what I use Which as my bass. bass. Yeah. And so it's just acoustic guitar and percussion instruments. Nice. And it's nice. all stripped down to give you the heart, the soul of the music. Mm. We strip away all the things that sometimes they can they are not distracting the way we do it but sometimes it can be distracting to, uh, to an extent when the music is very very sweet yes people of can just dance <laughs> they can just dance and not really listen to the words yes i mean i've had this people who tell me you know i never knew you were saying that in that song <laughs> i never knew i just used to dance i see but with the acoustic albums you you are forced to hear everything that i'm saying mm. because the music is very strict stripped down it's very basic Okay, so as we wind down this interview, I would like to ask what are your plans for um, the future for the brand Beautiful Nubia, Emu Fest, and then your banker in general? Well, generally, I want us to just keep doing what you're doing and doing it well. And I, because that's always been my thing is that at every point, we must not get distracted. There are distractions, there are people who want us to get bigger, and that's been a constant cry. You should be bigger than this. You should be bigger than this. You should be global. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. But all I really would like from you, Mr. Advisor, or Mr. Concerned Citizen, yes. is that you buy the music. You share it with your family and friends. You come to the gigs if you can. Mm. And share that information with your... F that is all you can really do for us. All this lamenting on social media. Why is this man not bigger than this? That's not your concern. Mm. Because when you do that, you you start making people run eh? the artist start thinking ah I, I should be doing more i guess i'm not where i should be i don't have that feeling eh? at any stage in my life i am where i should be if i have worked for one naira i have got my one naira mm. uh, i'm not in a hurry and i'm not going to be rushed by anybody mm. uh, i've always been like that that's why i have peace of mind that's why you can come here and yes. meet me and you can drink palm wine and we have this interview and i'm chilled my friend i'm very chilled mm -hmm. uh, this is who i'm not putting this on for you this is my life yeah i don't uh, of course i don't fear anybody i don't have any worries i live within my means i do what i can do and so and those who work with me know that 
that at every stage we have goals that we have set. Mm. We, we work to meet those goals and we usually always meet those goals because they are not uh, silly goals. They are not outlandish goals that are based on greed or based on other people's de desires. I don't work to other people's plans. I don't work to my fans. For example, I have had people say, your fans want to say, uh -uh. I don't do what my fans want. I do what I like. I do what I want to do. I do what I am led to do. Mm. What I'm inspired to do. My fans can like it, but they don't have to. See? So those who work with me at any bank can know that I have big plans. Yes, we have plans. Because, you know, I learned very early in life to dream big, but to also learn to take the small steps. Mm. Big dreams, yes. We have big plans. We, want th we have things we want to do. Don't we want to be uh, all over the world? Yes, we want to be all over the world. But that is not my main preoccupation. When I became aware of my music talent, what the impulse I got was that I must use this talent for the betterment of my people. That is it. Mm. Uh, uh, my people are, of course, are everybody. My people are white, they are Chinese, they are Indian, yes. right? But my people primarily are people of this country that I was born into. Mm. And I am always happy to play here. And I'm always telling people, do you think one American fan is bigger than one African fan? Do you think one American life is worth more than one African life? Do you think if I play to 500 people in Ibadan here, you think it's more worthy to go and play 500 people in London? Mm. See, this is what I'm talking about. Our, our heads have been wiped and we have this inferiority complex. So artists will go to London and play in London, but they can't play in Ibadan. They can't play in Akure and have people come and watch them. But I've played in Akure. I've played in Yadokiti. I've mm. played every year, anywhere in this country. And every time we go anywhere, even if it's just 20 people that show up, I am happy to be there. Because every Nigerian life is worth the same as an American life. When there are top American artists that you don't even know huge in their country, they tour in their country. Why is it that African artists are always thinking of going abroad? They think that is progress. When an African artist tells you he's going on tour, you know what it means? He's going to Europe. Yeah, US. Yeah, but the American artist when he says he's going on tour, he's not thinking about Nigeria. Mm. The American artist knows he has 50-something states to tour in. Yeah. Yes, he has Canada. Right in his own country. He can country. go to Australia and New Zealand, mm. and he has England, and maybe France and Germany. They, they know they have that. Yeah. The African artist has Nigeria, big market. Has Kenya, big South market. Africa. Has South Africa. These are huge markets. Ah. No, but he's not going there. Mm. Even when they go to all these Kenya, now arrange show that they do there. That's arrange all this nonsense that they do. It's not. They're not really touring there. Mm. We're not doing this stuff, you know. So what I'm doing, I'm a, I'm very stubborn in my ways. I will tour in this country. I will play for because every Nigerian fan is worth as much as an English fan mm. or as an American fan of mine. And so, and I, what I'll tell you is, when I play in this country, there's a different vibe. What I'm saying, it goes to the core of the audience. Yes. They know what I'm talking about. They know that I'm not up there entertaining them. When you play in the U.S. and I've played in the U.S. many times. And I've played in Canada many, many times. I've played in Euro, Europe. Mm. Eh? When you play in those places, they are there to have fun or to see this curiosity. What will this curious African do for us today? Mm. Wow, very nice. It sounds like Keita. Or it sounds like this one. Or it sounds like that one. They can enjoy it. Mm. It's not the same feeling. So unless they are paying me really well out there, I don't want to play there. Because you don't get this, that fulfillment that you want. But I can play here in Ibadan for my audience. Mm. And I can go to bed that night thinking, Oh God, look at, that was amazing. We touched lives.
my goals, of course, we want to tour the world, we want to do all those things, but everything at the right time. Okay. When it happens, it will happen. We are taking our steps, baby steps. That's how I was trained. Nigeria is different now. The young people out there now, unfortunately, we destroy their minds. They always think in just get there, just get there, just jump there. Buy it if you can. Buy it if you can. Mm. And many of the big names that you know now have bought venues. Eh? They've bought audiences in venues. Yeah. Eh? They've used dirty money to buy pages in uh, the New York Times, in the Washington Post, in um, Rolling Stones. You think those things are deserved? You think Rolling Stone came and interviewed somebody in Nigeria? You pay for it. Mm. People like me cannot afford it. It is drug money or oil money from Nigeria that is paying for all these things. Mm. Nigerians are sitting there thinking this is real. People are paying for awards and you don't realize they're paying for things. But Just the money I pay is a lot of money, which you and I cannot have. It's coming from our dirty politicians who are stealing our money and laundering money using these artists. You don't know what's going on? They're using a lot of these so-called names to launder your money or uh, scam money or oil money. And so me, I will not let people like that chase, make me start to run. They can do what they are doing. We are happy for them. We are happy to see them. I got no problems with that. But me, I will not start running. Where I will live within my means. Mm. Uh, so we have our big goals, but we are walking baby steps until right. we get there. So our dreams is to see MOFest is already a nice brand. It will keep growing. And the banker will keep growing. Our music will keep growing at its own rate. It's obvious that contentment is at the core of your values. Your content. If they pay me, say we don't get time for this country. Mm. Yeah, because it's, it's, if, if, if we could, if even just half of us could embrace it, Oh, this will be a totally different this place. Will have peace. I sound like a stranger when I talk about it. Mm. When I talk about my dreams and goals, people think you are thinking small. Because our people's health have been so warped. We've been so messed up mm. that we all, we, all of us think, I'm very blast. You want to build, you want to have these houses and have this. How many houses do you have? What is this house? <laughs> all these things, they, they are nothing. Mm. But our people have made them into something. You know, the cars. The cars, all the fancy cars, you know, they are nothing. Mm -hmm. So we need to re, that's what I'm trying to teach our people with my music. We need to rearrange our minds. We need to re-engineer people's minds. Yeah? We need to rebuild society. At this point where we're having this interview, you are in your 50s and you look really young. Thank you, because I'm content. You look like you're in your because 30s, I yeah. contented so, that I have and I have peace of mind. So that's the fountain <laughs> of youth that you yes. found. All right. That's, that's it, because I'm, I'm you know, I mean, I do, you know, that this when you wake up and maybe we have a show and the generator is not working. Yes. And like, what's going on? We have a show in two hours, you know? But it's all momentary. I'm, I'm always peaceful. I mm. have peace of mind. What I mean by peace of mind is when in your core, there's no... I know a lot of people who I'm close to who don't have that peace. Mm. Their core is disorganized, it's tumultuous, it's chaotic. Mm. My core is always calm. I don't worry about things. Momentary worries, yes, but I don't worry long term by anything. I have right. peace of mind. And I think that peace of mind, plus the fact that, of course, I, I do try to stay fit. Okay. You know? I do do sport. I mm. like to work a lot. I told you I work a lot. Yes. I like to work. I like to play soccer. I like to do things. I have not allowed the child inside me to die. Mm. Many of us have been trained to become important and then just grow fat or grow. I'm not saying people who are fat are in themselves yeah. in trouble or anything because you can be fat and fit. Don't forget that. Yes. Yeah. But in Nigeria, when we get fat, we are not fit. Mm. We get fat and we sit around. Yeah? My mother was fat all her life. And my mother used to tell me, I've been fat since I was a baby. 
<laughs> so don't talk about fat with me. One but my mother one. walked, she walked everywhere. Mm. She never lost any of that weight <laughs> <laughs> because she was naturally big. Okay. But she walked everywhere. My mother walked all the time. Mm. Uh, I wish, my mother didn't have gray hair on her head when she died. Wow. Yes. No gray. I look at me. Me say if I get gray now. My mean, mother didn't. My mother didn't age. have any gray hair. <laughs> huh? In her seventies. Wow. Yeah. But you see, it's it's um, your mind and how you take care of your body. Mm. So when we talk about fitness, because I do have somebody's big big hair. So people think fitness, they think it's about being thin. No. People who are thin will think, I don't have to do anything because I'm already thin. No, no, no. Fitness is about engaging your body your physically. Body. Yeah. So we go for walks, we do whatever sport we like, we, you know, and we, we watch what we eat. We take care of our bodies. Mm. And I watch what I eat. I like everything, you know? I like to eat food. Uh-huh. I like rich food as well. But I know that rich food needs to be balanced with very healthy food. Yeah. So we balance it. Uh, and we know when to eat and when not to eat. Okay. You don't want to eat too late. And now, you know, once you know all these little principles about dieting, you take care of yourself. Take care of this thing eh, that some people like to call your temple. Mm. Eh, take care of it because it's a gift that was, was given to you. Take care of that body so that as you get older, people can make comments and say, you look so young. Yeah. All right. So my very last question, and it's a fun one. If you could choose a super power, a supernatural power, which power would that be? Oh, the power to change society. I wish I said I said it in one of my songs. I wish I had the answers. I wish I could be the angel of peace. I'll change the world in a breath. I wish I wish angels existed. Mm. I don't know if they exist. But if they existed, I would have loved really to be one. Like be one this angel with a sword. <laughs> <laughs> and just bring wipe all the evil off and create a, a world of peace where people will be because I just do not like to see people sad. I do not like when we have these children. Every time somebody has a child, I think, should this person have had a child? Are they well equipped to train? The, the worst thing you can do as a human being is to have a child you are not involved with. To have a child, I mean, you can people die early, right? People die early. And that, they have, there's nothing they can do about that. But if you are not dead, and you have a child, and you don't take care of them, and you are not there to guide them, because our job as parents is to guide these children. I get really passionate when it comes to, when I think about what children have to go through. Because I, I know what I went through, as, went through as, as a child. And I don't think it's fair for us that we keep having these children, that even as, whether as parents we're not doing enough, but even as a society, we're not caring. Some societies are doing well with their children. You have a child in some societies, that child belongs to the state. And the state wants to know how you're taking care of that child. If you're not doing it properly, the state will take, take, take the child from you. But we don't have that in Nigeria yet. We don't have that. But but if if, if I had a superpower, power, yes. could have been the kind of power where I could make sure that every child that is born, you know, has good parents, has a good life, gets the first 10, 12 years that are so important, gets the best. So that their minds are they are balanced. Their they minds, are engineered mm, to take on the future. Be because mm. you know all the unhappiness that we have in life, they all come from the things we learn as children. You don't realize that. Mm. All the unhappiness that people have, all the stress that people have. Some people just wake up every day and they have stress and they don't understand how to be out of that stress. Mm. Yeah, but it's because from early childhood they weren't trained to see life as beautiful to see uh, problems as a natural part of life you just if you don't have these obstacles how can life be fun so when there's an obstacle the, the problem you just laugh and you say okay now how do we solve it let's solve it guys and then give us some palm wine how do we solve this problem okay? then you go and solve you solve it this is how you solve things you know you don't get overwhelmed by things but people who haven't been well trained and then they get overwhelmed 
and then they start looking for shortcuts and then they start hurting people around them and then when they get into power they start stealing what doesn't belong to them they start taking you know more than their just share and they start causing mayhem in society yeah and so it's hard for me to blame the ones in government or to be angry with them i get sad but to be angry with them because i know all these people who are in government they are people who are not well raised mm. and it's not really their fault to be who, who they are now they are a reflection of what society. we are as a society yeah you know but i use my music to help us to raise a new generation who hopefully in 20 years 30 years we can have better leaders better you know smart yeah we do hope so leaders yeah we hope so thank you very much it's been an amazing time with you an interesting and insightful discussion that we've had thank you thanks thanks a lot chats with the masters podcast Mm -hmm.